0: Hi, this is Maurice LaMarche, and uh, that name will mean nothing to you, nor the sound of my voice. Unless I become the brain from TV's Pinky in the Brain, or Calculon, the star of all my circuits from Futurama. Ooh, is uh, a bottle, so from Futurama.
1: Puny human, this is
0: Morbo the
2: newscaster. On tonight's news, you're listening to Still Toking With on the Dorkening Podcast Network. I will destroy you. In, this battle, I am never losing I'm choosing to ignore the cuts and bumps and bruises Hell yeah, happy Wednesday everybody Yeah, you expected to see Leo No, he's not here But we wish him well He had a little procedure he had to have done But um, we won't get into what's going on with his anus No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Taking Leo's place tonight, of course, is me Great I promise I won't fuck things up. But uh, taking my place tonight is the one and only Jar Jar. What's
1: up, Ben? Jeff, I'm happy to be here. This is pretty cool. Another Wednesday with you guys. So uh, where's where's Jeff?
2: Um, He is right there. There he is. I'm right here. Happy Wednesday. I'd say happy
0: end of February, but. It's fucking leap year. They added a day on me.
2: Right? right. What is up with that shit? I was all excited. It was the end of the month. No. No.
0: You know, now now I was reading somewhere that they really fucked up this whole calendar thing because if you think about it, everything's in 13s. Okay. This technically should be 13 months with 28 days.
2: Hmm. It's that simple. Well, no, that would really suck. I really need those extra two days to pay bills sometimes. You know what I
0: mean? So, you know, I mean, me being me, me, I eat a few gummies and I beat my head against the wall trying to figure out well, what, what the hell would be the name of the 13th month?
2: Okay. What would it you know? be? I have no idea. No, I haven't well, maybe, I
0: haven't figured it out yet. Maybe
2: our guest would know. We you have know, a guest tonight. You know that, right? Oh, we do, yeah. Oh, oh yeah.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, we do. Let's uh let let's welcome. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck his first name up. Was it Nivik Radzinski? Nivik <laughs>
3: <laughs> And you know what they they call the month? They call it remember, because you'd have to remember that there was that extra month. And I oh, yeah, oh. right? Because you'd always forget. You got another fucking month. They go, yeah, remember. The other thing I've thought is if they can add, like, with the daylight savings and all, why not add a day to the week? I mean, if you added a day to the week, everybody would have an extra three to four days a month. You know what I mean? It'd be a little bit longer to pay bills. You might actually be able to take a day off. Just add a day to the week. And then when people go, yeah, but that'll screw up all the holidays. The holidays are all fucked up anyway. I go to my Home Depot now, and they're going to have Christmas decorations for next year. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all that idea is, it's all gone. Like the seasons are done. And the earth is all fucked up. Seasons are blown out. You know what I mean? So add a couple of days to the month. Give people a break.
2: All right. So what would the extra day be called? That's one.
3: See, now that. It'd be. It'd be non-day. Yeah. No, Sunday, but... none day day Because you
0: do none day See? Sunday, none You're doing
1: nothing. <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> well, that... you
0: know,
3: with the way things go with our luck, it'd go from a five-day work week to a six. Well, you see, that's the oh, thing. All right. That's the thing. Is that most corporations will go. good. One more day of work out of people. Right, right. You so, don't think they're going to well, give you an we, extra fucking day off,
2: do you? Uh, well, uh, my, my question uh, would be, if they're going to give you the extra day of work and everything over 40 is overtime, do you get overtime pay for that extra day? Do you, or do they say, no, now it's 48 hours a week? So
3: there are far more questions to it than I thought. So the, the powers <laughs> would well, be you're on to something with the seven-day week. So we'll leave them at it. But oh, what's she, I got Jar Jar. We don't have Leo. Yeah, it was something removed. You said. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully not removed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not. <laughs> well, I mean, I he, so- he probably sat on Leo. The you're going to be a so lot upset of not being oh. here. <laughs> is that where I put it?
2: Is yeah, it where yeah they're, they're, is they're, that they're I, looking. Is that I left it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Leo. Leo's at that age now where the doctor requested one of those things where you have to drink a lot of liquid and sit on the toilet for a long time. Oh. In there yes so yeah. that's well, as, long it, as,
0: they, as long as they don't find his yoda yeah
2: right <laughs> <It> <laughs> or, is, uh, or, or missing glove who knows
3: <laughs> gloves we got yeah. glove a glove i got hopefully he doesn't have this glove well that, that would hurt me. like hell i'd be in the wrong place actually paid yeah. for me by a uh, glove builder named rudy salazar i want to give him a shout out nice, um that's cool Yeah, he really came through for me. I started doing these uh, conventions and stuff. I reached out to him, and I needed something that had the full palm, uh, which is not the typical glove. The gloves have the palm cut out, but I need something a little easier on and off so I could pop it off, sign something, pop it back on, take a picture. Um, So he made me a custom piece in a very brief period of time, so I'd have it for the first convention I did going back about two weeks ago. So I just started with this convention stuff. Right,
2: right. um,
3: How are you liking it? You know, I do. I like a lot because, you know, it's funny because my wife said, well, I'm tired of hearing all these fucking stories you tell them. <laughs> she goes, now you have a whole new crew of people love to hear it. She goes, you're gone for a while. You talk you talk yourself out and you come back with money and you're quiet. She's like, I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did the first one and it, 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 it was great. I mean, the, the feedback I'm getting from people, um, that show was in Allentown. Uh, there was a guy, uh, Joe, I believe it's Gibney, he drove from Philly, you know, and wasn't even sure he's going to make it in time, but he's like, I really wanted to get up here. There was a chance to meet with you. I was like, holy shit. You know, um, I did all this stuff going back. It's, you know, 35, 40 years ago. Right. And at the time I was 20, 21 and 22 doing the work. And I was shooting more for, you know, actor and that kind of thing. I went out there to write which I should have stuck with. But once they start hanging out with writers, they start going, look, there's a reason that we're writers and it's because we don't look like an actor. They're like, you look like an actor, be an actor. And I let my ego get to me and I go, Oh act." And I started the first gig I did was on Heather's. And that was because they literally set up shop across the street from our apartment where I was oh, living nice. with, couple of buddies and stuff. So we would go skateboarding at this school. It was an abandoned school or shut down school. And we go to go over one day and get it all locked up. There's trailers there and stuff. We're like, what the hell? The next day, it's just bustling. We see tons of people. Uh, we go over, start walking around, and we find out what it's about. And then we registered with Central Casting. And the next day, I'm on the set of Heathers. So the interesting thing about that was, you know, it was the first set I was on. So, I'm just showing up, got my clothes, the whole thing. You bring some changes with you. And they had us in a hallway. And the scene, it's in the opening credits and then again later in the movie, where they're bustling, you know, kids going down a hallway in high school. And they needed somebody to come up behind Winona Ryder and then just cross behind her. The thing was, when you cross behind her, you would have walked right into the camera. So, you needed to watch what you were doing. First guy they have in, He's look, you can't look at the camera. You can't guy kept looking at the camera. Well, I'm afraid we're gonna walk into it. So they're like, next, they pull another guy out of the hallway. So you. He couldn't do it. He kept looking at the camera. So I just happened to be there. You could try it. So I was able to do it. So now from that point, I became like the go-to. So when the PAs would get their little assignment, like go in there and pull 15 kids. We need seven girls and we need eight guys and you know, and we need a couple of them that are gonna do this. So they'd have to go and kind of hand pick us. And, I, again, I became the go-to because they're like, well, this guy could walk into gum at the same time, so we'll use him. Um, and he keeps his mouth shut, which is the one thing I can tell everybody. Anybody who's trying to get into any, and I imagine it still holds up today. if you find yourself on a set uh, for any duration of time, keep your mouth shut. Do what people ask you to do, short of anything that's going to put you at risk or get you hurt. So many guys, I couldn't tell you, would be sitting, we'd get all corralled up in the morning. And you'd see guy and you'd hear him. They're like, oh, they're going to pitch, right? They're going to pitch the director when they hmm. pull them out to do, you know, to walk down the hallway. This guy thinks he's suddenly going to whip a script out and pitch a director. Now, this guy, the director, of course, got his focus on something else. So I would see guys all the time. Oh, this is my chance. This is my chance. Yeah, that was your chance because you're not coming back tomorrow. So you hmm. had your chance and you blew it. <laughs> that was it. You create any kind of, put, ask a question about, what if I do that? Did I tell you to do that? No. Okay. Then don't suggest it. Don't do it. sit there. Do what you got to do. So that really is how one job sort of led to another job. Um, Heather's, I did about two weeks off. And the interesting thing with that was they were paying everybody cash at the end of the day. So a lot of times people wouldn't show up the next day or the day after so when they saw that that's what was happening, at the last shot each day, they would stop every before they got started, and they go, everyone who's here right now needs to come back tomorrow because they'd pick it up the next day, the rest of the shot or the matching shot. So if you cannot be here tomorrow, there's any chance you're not, I, you need to leave the shot. And you'd see some people get up and leave. So my buddy and I, once we heard that, we had it wired because what we would do is we'd show up in the morning, usually hung over shit, We'd go to the breakfast, you know, catering trucks and now we're eating. Everything's great. Check in. Everything's cool. Let the right people see us. And then we'd go hide and fall the fuck asleep somewhere. And then one of our <laughs> friends would come and get us and make sure we were in the last shot. Because when well, we knew if we could get in the last shot, we had worked the next day. Because they'd say, well, everybody here could come back tomorrow. We'd like, sure. Yeah, you know, come back, have something to eat, go to sleep until, you know, five o'clock. Sure, I'm up for it. Um. <laughs> The thing about that movie was, you know, you hear about different people, actors, actresses and stuff. But like Winona Ryder at that point was just, I mean, I remember thinking to myself, like, don't look in her general direction. Because if she were to glance at me, I'm like, I was afraid I just wouldn't be able to look away. You know what I mean? And she had this thing going with Christian Slater on that film. So I'm like, I don't need this guy looking like. You know, this guy, he might be good crossing in the hallway and all, but he's talking up Winona a little too much, get him the fuck out of here. And of course, you know, Chris Slater and me, I'm going home. Yeah. So I, I kept to myself with that. Again, it was the first set. Um, I did try the one girl that was in a Lizette, who actually found out had a big background in child modeling, with coming up with Brooke Shields and stuff. Um, but we end up in a cafeteria scene and, you know, we're between tapes. And now she's like right across the table from me. And I'm like, well, I got to say, you know, and it's not Winona. So I'm not worried about pissing Christian Slater off. So I look over and I see she's got a watch. So I'm like, yeah, can you tell me what time it is. And she Or do you know what time it is? And she says, no. It just sits. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I point at the watch. And then she goes like this. And she says, this is a prop. This doesn't work. And she sits your hand back down. And it's like, tell me it's your first day on a movie without telling me it's your first day on a movie. <laughs> Ask me what time it is on the watch that obviously isn't working. So um, that movie came and went. And then they called me one night late to do the uh, a walk on, on the blob. Which yep. there's a scene with um, some guys in Letterman jackets. And they walk into a diner. And then Kevin Dillon's character comes in, and there's a death scene in the um, the kitchen. So just walked on a couple times, uh, sat down. It was late at night. It was that I remember was weird for me because I got a call at like nine o'clock at night. Can you be there at eleven? You know, and that's the thing about it with all the Freddy stuff because I did Nightmare on Elm Street four, and then I did the series Freddy's Nightmares. And I remember on Freddy's Nightmares at one point thinking to myself as I pulled up. As the sun's coming up, I'm pulling up home, you know, after all night shooting. And it occurred to me that at some point in the week, I had been awake during every hour of the day. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. your schedule pushes into the next day, push it. They give you your little turnaround and you're back the next day. All of a sudden, I realized on like Tuesday, I was working at 4 a.m. And then Friday, I was working at 4 p.m. And like and everything in between. So it was incredibly grueling. A lot of that horror stuff um, was dangerous. Uh, You know, a lot of it's kind of on the fly in a sense, especially that early on. um, They had my arms stuck. And this is on Nightmare 4 because I went from Heather's and then the blob thing. I did another couple of days on something called the Baby M story. I don't know if anybody remembers that. That was the first like in vitro case. So where somebody changed their mind midstream. Yeah, and then it went to court and everything. But I'll tell you who worked on that was um, the guy on the motorcycle, big mustache from Animal House. And Uh, I forget the character's name.
0: Uh, I I know. I can picture him.
3: Yeah. And and Dabney Coleman worked on that as well. Um, Dabney's cologne smelled oddly like vodka. I don't know if there's a cologne that they make out of vodka. (laughs) You know. A couple of years I'm sure ago. Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody's got a couple behind it, you know. Uh, but yeah. Take a picture. He's like, yeah. Isn't uh, that a
2: Russian? That's a Russian cologne, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cologne.
3: Kinky not so. So, uh, so get through that one. That one was kind of boring just because it was just such a serious subject. And, and the way, we, the room they kept us in, it was just, it was beat. But again, it was a payday. From there, I get a call to do extra work on Nightmare 4. Um, I do one day, and then they call me back from casting, and they, they call me up and they say, look, they're looking at you to possibly be stand-in for male talent, and they're also wondering what they're going to do about a photo double for Robert Ingram, but I don't know if that's going to be you, blah, blah, blah. They said, can you make the commitment? Because it's going to be a you know month and a half, two months, whatever it was. I was all over it because steady work, I mean, sure. So I go in and it, so I, they definitely used me for the male stuff, the male role as a stand-in. And then somebody just saw the way I was standing and my shoulder height and just sort of my at ease pose or position was very similar to Robert's. So when they took the measurements, they come to find out that myself in Chuck Taylor's, which is what I wore then religiously, um, and Robert in the stack heel, that we landed at exactly the same shoulder height and then exactly the same hat height when we put the hat on. So I started photo doubling on four. Wow. And some of it didn't make it on to the film itself. Um, But there's one scene and it didn't make it in. And I think that was one of the pics I sent where my arm stuck in like a rig. And um, it's, they had my arm, like, hyper extended for a, a while. And I've seen a video clip of it since, which I have on my Facebook page as well, which is Freddie Do, spelled D-E-U-X, all one word. And, I mean, there's 10 guys on top of me. They're blowing smoke in a This thing is hyper—you could see a guy is literally holding my hand up because I can't even hold my own hand up any longer. And I'm in this rig, and— I mean, I'm just sitting hoping that they get done before I have to piss or something because to get me out of it and then stop everything, that's it right there. Now, this, you could tell, was a picture taken at the beginning because I'm still looking like a little bright eyed. Uh, (laughs) There's there's other pictures I have. So now you can see where I'm sitting and then where the hand is and then they've got those hoses. So it's just incredibly difficult situation, like position to be in to begin with. And then they had me reach the arm all the way out and to just, it was unsustainable. And those two hoses had armatures in them. So there's the guys working the armatures are like, you know, up in here and suddenly he and I are friends and you're just (laughs) crying all this stuff. And they're blowing the smoke, the noise. As I'm, I'm writing a book about all of it, my trip to get out there and then my experience there. And Some of it I'm finding I'm almost processing now because so much was happening so quickly then that I didn't really, you know, it just kept moving. Just suck it up, keep moving. So when I came out of that rig, I didn't have like proper use of my arm for like almost an hour. I was like, did I fuck? Even when I was in it, I remember thinking to myself, am I making a mistake by not asking them to give me a break? Because they'll just keep Mm -hmm. going, Mm go They got to get their shot. They're going, going, going. Um, there was a guy there, Bill Forsh, uh, who was great. He's got to hold my hand, actually, hold my hand up. But he was the one running over bottles of water, you know, fanning me off a little bit. Now, the interesting thing about that department, which was special effects, so they would do these rigs and all, but they had a budget for condoms and K-Water. <laughs> and a budget? A bu- yeah. now That's here- why
2: they became friends. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> so now here's why though you could take a golf ball you put a nose on it paint it red shove it into a condom slather the condom with ky with a little bit of red in it and now you got this gnarly nasty looking thing inside of some kind of membrane you know what i mean uh, yeah, okay yeah 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 so that's why they were there but that wasn't always how they were used so, you know, I'd stop by every now and then and be like, hey, hey, you know, and say, so have but this time I'm stuck in that arm rig and I'm just die. I'm like this, and I remember hearing something like clunk, and I turn around and look, and there's a 12 pack of condoms sitting on the floor. So I'm like, so they're like, come on, get through, you'll make it. So, you know, they're, they're feeding me these condoms and go, come on, come on, you'll get through. So it's like, all right, well, it won't be that bad after all. But, um, and that leads me to a funny condom story,
2: <laughs>
3: which is. Just what Ben was waiting for.
2: I Actually, I thought we were going to start at the beginning, but you went right for the end. So go for it. <laughs> yeah. So,
3: so so, my apartment was across this same one that I went to work at This It was across the street from the supermarket. So I'd walk over there all the time. And at the time, I had a steady girlfriend. So I'd go on a Thursday or Friday night, and I would get a 12-pack of Coors Light and a 12-pack of condoms. And I'd walk my punk ass right up to the cashier. I didn't give a shit. I'd drop it right there next to a woman with her eggs or whatever. And it would go down. I'd ring up. So i put these things down. And i hear a guy behind me go, oh, busy weekend? So I went, nah, slow night. I turn and look. He's laughing. It's fucking Eric Estrada. <laughs> <laughs> so the stud of studs. So I'm like, nah, slow night. And I turn and look, and it's him. Then I walk out and I see the the Rolls Royce, you know, with the chauffeur. And of course that's where Eric's going. I'm walking back across the street. <laughs> but um when it comes to the start, actually, now that you mentioned that was all the way back in your, Yeah,
2: you, you and I had a chat about you yeah. know when you started that, and I think you sent me a picture of the van.
3: Oh, did I? If I did, then yeah, then you yeah, oh yeah.
2: Oh wow. Then, then,
3: yeah, I drove that from New Jersey, and I got as far as Calexico. Actually, you know what? That don't look drivable to me. No, no, not, not at that point. And you know what, the shame of it is that little black clump in the back was a uh, a nice CR 125. Oh. And, and that's what I just got done doing, was riding the desert, the dunes, which I'd never ridden before, and it was just heaven. So it turned out that was Christmas day and there were no gas stations open so i did what i'd done a hundred times before i start the van up turn it off it's now there's gas in the carburetor. i pull that cover off because the van the engine's inside i take the gas line off i stick it in the milk jug i turn the van on it's running off a little bit in the car but it's squirting into the jug i can mix my two-stroke put it in the bike and ride i come back and i don't know if i didn't tighten it enough it was one time too many but gas line popped off, and those were notorious because the distributor cap was so close to the gas lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whole fucking thing catches fire. I lose everything. Damn. So I'm standing there watching everything that I had burn to the ground 3,000 miles from home. Now, thank God, before I left, when I closed out my bank account, there was a girl that I went to school with, Allison Fisher. God bless. I'm cashing this out, and I think it was like seven grand. Which then, you know, this is like early 80s. So a nice so,
1: chunk goes, of change.
3: Yeah. She goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, I'm going to drive cross-country. She goes, you just take, you can't take that. I asked for $1,000 bills. That's how stupid I was. I go, get that. <laughs> They're like, I don't know if, we, if they do make them, we got to order them. So she says, where are you? I tell her, she goes, you need traveler's checks. I go, what are you talking about? She goes, you need traveler's checks. And she, so I go, I don't have time. I want to go. I'm going. She literally says to me, I'm not letting you leave here with that kind of money, driving cross country cash. You will sit. I had to sit and sign each one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The receipts, the whole thing. I'm sitting. I'm like, Al, oh, just a pain in my ass. She goes, I'm telling you, you're not leaving. And I knew her from school, but it wasn't like we're best friends. So she was really putting herself out and going, no way. It's just not happening. And thank God for it. Because that's what ended up burning was the traveler's checks. But now I have to get refunded the traveler's checks. And I've lost all my ID in the fire. So I'm watching this thing burning. And I remember I'm standing there with the fire chief. The whole town came out because it's this little town. It's Christmas, the black smoke. Everybody's like, what's going on? So they're fighting it. It's just about dying. All of a sudden you start hearing this pop, pop, pop. So he yells, everybody, get back, get back. So he looks at me and goes, do you have any ammo in there? I go, no. He goes, what's making that? What is that? I said, well, I had a couple of little propane for cooking. He goes, that would have went a long time ago. And then I'm thinking, and I go, I loved when I was able to get, because at the time you couldn't get cores everywhere. So I thought I was fucking smoking a bandit. I mean, I could get my hand on cores. forget it. The cooler was half full, half light, half regular cores. the whole trip out once I could get my hands on. It. So I said to him, it might be the beer. I had about a case of beer in there on ice. Maybe the cooler finally, oh, oh. So he yells out, it's just beer, go back. So I, told him, I go, chief, just beer? I go, you know how bad I need a fucking beer right now? So, right. He, yeah. so he starts laughing. He goes, well, you're taking this pretty good. I go, what am I going to do? So he says, you have family out here? I said, no, no, everybody's in Jersey. He goes, well, I can put you up at the firehouse. He goes, and I'll call rest uh, uh, Red Cross in the morning. He said, or, he goes, "This Christmas Angel over here. And he points at this girl who's this, she's stick thin. She's got the cut off. She's got a baby on her arm. She's puffing a cigarette. She'd come <laughs> over and ask me a couple questions earlier. He goes, she said she could put you up for a while. So I'm like, what choice do I really have? <coughs> so I get in the car with her. There's another kid that's in the backseat that had been sitting in there the whole time while she's out watching this fire.
2: <laughs> and I bet you wish you had that 12 pack of condoms at that point.
3: Uh, no, I was like... <laughs> Because where I came from, like, the neighborhood I grew up in, there was a lot of stuff going on. It it was pretty spicy. So when I saw her and I saw the, you know, the lack of figure on her and everything, I kind of had her pinned for, you know, like a meth head or a speed freak, and sure enough. So we're driving back. She lived with her mother in a trailer at this trailer park that the mother was the maintenance person for the park. So I wake up in the morning. I can't believe any of this. It's like... So she starts driving me around as I'm trying to get everything together for these traveler's checks, get some clothes, something. Um, And then I keep talking to my mother and they're asking questions. And then she'd say, they asked me this and this, and then I would call them. And so we're doing this for a while. And then finally I have a day I go into the bank and I'm going, her name was Robin. So I go in with Robin, the two kids. And the manager calls us back and she must assume we were a couple. Now, one of the reasons she probably assumed we were a couple is because at this point I had taken to carrying one of the kids around (laughs) because she fucking lost them hourly. (laughs) Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we're looking for this kid. I'm like this poor kid. So I just started carrying the kid. So we go back, we sit down and the woman says, look, I got good news. She goes, Friday is when I'll be able to refund all the travel checks. And in the meantime, I've been approved to give you whatever it was like 5% that i could give you tomorrow to at least get you through until friday because it was earlier in the week i go oh okay so now i'm realizing this woman might say a little too much so i'm trying to figure i got to get you know because she said a certain percentage. so then robin goes well how much is that and well, it was just 300 hmm. and she goes yeah but what's the percentage she goes no that is the percentage so of course, being a math head, she wasn't real quick with the math, but I could tell the wheels are turning. So I get up and now this is time to leave. So I'm walking toward the door of the bank and I hold the door open for her. And I turn and look, and she's talking to a teller. So she ran it past the teller and the teller told her the numbers. Well now she's grinning ear to ear. Her ships come in. She comes outside, she gets in the car. It if it wasn't such a dire situation, it would have been funny how obvious she was. She's like, oh, you know what kind of camper a guy could get for just $1,000? And I was like, whoa. Now, I'd already seen her go to her dealer's house a couple of times. I'd seen some of the people she's hanging out with. And I'm like, instantly I grasp. I've got to let her think that I'm going to cut her in or else she's going to figure out a way to fucking cut me out. And I'm in this little desert town. We were 10 minutes from the border of Mexico. I mean, it was nowhere. You know, it's 110 in December for Christ's sake. (laughs) So I'm trying to work her a little bit. we we got a couple of days now. I'm like, okay. So the day before I'm supposed to pick up the traveler's checks, she wakes up and we're going to her dealer's house like she did every other fucking day. This guy, Ron, she would go into this guy's house and leave me with the kids in the car. The guy she just met at the fire like a week before, right? She's leaving me in a car with these kids. I'm like, this is chaos. So we pull up. This guy's screens are still torn out, and the screen door is still on the front lawn from when he got raided like the month before. He'd just been raided so many times he didn't bother putting shit back anymore. (laughs) So I kept telling her I don't want to go in. I don't want to go in. Well, this time there's no kids in the car, so I know something's up. She says, I need you to go in with me. I go, I told you I'm not going in there. She goes, I need to act like I'm borrowing the money from you. I said, I gave you money. So when I got a little cash, I gave her something. She goes, yeah, but I owe him a lot more than that. She goes, and he's not willing to trade anymore. Lord knows what that meant. (laughs) So then she lays it on me. After all I've done for you, so I got shit. I'm like, let me just get in there, get out of there, get in the traveler's checks tomorrow. Everything will be cool. So she goes to knock on the door and it half swings open because this thing's been kicked in and everything, right? She walks in and we see this guy, and he's slamming the phone down like this. I told these motherfuckers, don't talk on my fucking phone. He rips the wire from the wall. He throws it. He goes, This is why I'm getting in trouble. Everybody keeps calling. They're talking on my phone. They're coming by my house. This is what, what, what nobody else is going to go to. You. I'm going to go. She's trying to calm him down. He sees me and she goes, This is Kevin. He had the van. Well, everybody in town knew the story. She was like, Oh, you're, Oh, hey, Jersey. He's calling me Jersey. He goes, sit down, sit down. So we sit on the sofa. She sits down. And she goes, oh, oh. she reaches behind her and she pulls out a fucking nine millimeter. Right. And she's going, oh, when we used to go to clubs, Ronnie used to have me holding because they don't check girls and they don't. And I'm sitting like this thing. It's way. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where, <laughs> now, before I didn't want to meet this guy. Now I want to know where the fuck he is. I'm like, where'd this guy go? So he comes out. and He's laughing. And he says, what's wrong, Jersey? You never saw a gun? So he takes it from her. And he goes, if I were you, I'd be a little nervous or swinging that around in front of my face still. And he puts it under the cell phone. He has me a beer. We're sitting having a beer. We're talking. All of a sudden, there's this fucking knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. Nothing. He yells, who is it? No, he says, Any. boom, boom, boom. Who is it? Nothing. Now, I'm thinking to myself, you could push that door open. <laughs> the door can't go busted out. They kick the door down. And we could, you can just pull. Who's knocking? This guy, it was like slow-mo. He reaches under the fucking sofa. He comes up like this. He stands up. He takes two big steps towards the door while he's cocking thing over his head. Now he's standing next to the door like this. And he's yelling, who is it? And my whole life flashes before my eyes. I go, this is it. I go, it's going to be police. They're going to kick the door in. He's going to shoot. They're going to shoot. My mother's going to hear that I got shot in some fucking meth lab in the desert. You know what I mean? Which she's only going to find out when the bank calls her, going, you have any idea why he's running so late? I mean, I'm going, this is it, man. This is fucking it. Then he hears a voice, and it's somebody he does know. So he flies the door open. He grabs the guy by the collar of his shirt. He pulls him in. He literally smacks this guy. He goes, I told you, don't knock. Cops knock. Cops, get the they go off in the room to do whatever they're going to do. So with that, I get up and just start walking toward the door. She's like, you want to go? I'm like, well, are you, are you fucking kidding me? But I want to go. So I'm walking out <laughs> and the fucking front door bursts open and it's this guy's roommate and he's carrying his laundry in backwards. The donkey kicked the door open and in my head I think if that guy spent another if he would have left the fucking fluff and fold five minutes earlier, I would have saw a homicide. He would have shot the fucking guy. There's no two ways about it. He would have fucking shot that guy. So I get out of there. I end up buying a used car. I blow her off. I'm able to get out of there with my money and my life and everything else. I get up to Hollywood. Um, I'd settle into an apartment on Gower, which was right up the road from the Sunset Gower Studios. Um, at the time, they were filming Married with Children. there. Uh, mm-hmm. I would stay in the middle of the street. And I would just need a Hollywood son. So I was like, I fucking arrived kid from Jersey, you know what I mean? I'm like, this is, it. This is the shit. Man. I'm fucking Hollywood. So I got a job working uh, delivering rental cars. It was all high-end rental cars. So it was like Mercedes and Corvette convertibles and Lamborghini. Like, well, not Lamborghini, we had Ferraris. And we're delivering to everybody. I told Ben in the interview, I Eric Roberts I picked up and then drove him back to the airport. We spent 45 minutes bullshitting. And we we're talking about the difference between copping weed in LA compared to cop weed in New York, you know, I mean, it was cool. So I'd see a lot of people doing that. I got in a horrific car accident working that job. Um, basically what happened was I got t boned It was a Camaro when they just started coming back with the Camaro's big and they'd have like the stripes on the bottom with the Z 28, you know, it'd be mm-hmm. like yellow, orange, brow, whatever. And then the T tops. This thing had teeth. That thing had less than 500 fucking miles on it. We get hit so hard from the side, we slid sideways a good 30 feet, and then when it bit, finally, I slammed my shoulder, pour my rotator cuff. I removed the rearview mirror with the back of my fucking head. Um, we end up in the ambulance, the whole thing, and I, I'm getting wheeled through Cedar Sinai, and it's like a movie where you're just seeing the ceiling tiles go by and the lights, you know, because you're laying mm-hmm. in And I'm looking, and I'm still half delirious. Oh, we're going, going. All of a sudden, going, going. Then it gets quiet. You can kind of hear muffled voices, and then it just goes fucking pitch dark. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, well, this isn't good at all. I'm like, I hit my head, and I'm in the hospital, and now it's dark as shit. What the hell is... All of a sudden, voices... And it's bright. It's so fucking bright with white light, I'm like going, oh, what the hell? I can't see anything except this light. So I'm like, well, not for nothing. It's exactly what they tell you. You know, you're going to see this <laughs> light. You know. Then, again, quiet, muffled voices. Dark. I'm like, holy shit. And I remember sitting, and I remember I thought to myself, I do have clean underwear on. <laughs> <laughs> But then I thought about how much of a wreck my apartment was in. <laughs> and I, I literally start to cry because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm leaving it. So now I just had this thing in the desert. I thought I'm going to be fucking shot. Now I'm dying in this fucking car accident. I'm like, well, I got to L.A. at least. So all of a sudden, boom, again, a super bright light. So now I just start calling out. I go, I know what this is. I'm all right. I'm good with it. I'm fine. I'm dying. That's it. And then I hear a voice. You're, you're not dying. I'm like, what? No, I'm dying. Go. no, you're not dying. I go, but I got bit, and there was this lump. I go, I get this lump. Like, my brain is coming out, and all of a sudden, there's, like, a person hovering over me because I can smell like a cigarette breath. And the guy goes, no, that's coagulated blood. That's not your brain, and you're not going to die. You don't stand a chance of dying. He goes, everybody knows you're in here. I go, what? In here? I'm thinking, I'm stuck in purgatory. I I go, I'm in here. He goes, yeah, you're in a storage closet. I was in a fucking (laughs) facility closet. That Every time he'd <laughs> open the door, the light would go on. <laughs> so then when it would leave, the light would go out. <laughs> I, I think I'm going moving through dimensions. Meanwhile, they just stuck me in a closet. He said, he goes, everybody knows you're in here because we can't believe we're so busy. We had to stick somebody in the storage closet.
2: And you had the least chance of dying, so... That was it,
3: because everybody knew you were here. Everybody's in and out grabbing shit. So they're like, we'll stick them in there. You know, we're not going to forget about them, because everybody's in the closet every fucking five seconds. So then the nurse comes in, and she's like, Kevin, you still with us? I go, yeah, she goes, you didn't go die on me, did you? I'm like, no. You know, I'm here. So all that shit before I even set foot on any of these sound stages and shit. So when we do start with the movie stuff, um, and I kind of gotten that already from home in the drive across. I was pretty sharp with like being on the lookout for dangers or what might happen. Or, and after that hap- that kind of stuff, you know, your frame of reference changes dramatically. And even now, to this day, as we're my daughter, she's you know up and gone. But um, I would say things. People, what are you thinking? Like that won't happen. I go, listen, I've had shit happen you would never think was ever happen. So I'd rather be prepared. Um, So we started these movies. There were a couple of times where I'd sense I'd be like, I really don't want to be around this, whatever it was going on. So now on Nightmare 4, they had an incident with a Big Freddy. And people were pushing through it. Their whole body sort of pushing through this thing. So this thing is, you know, a good 15 feet tall or whatever. They made this huge sweater for it. People were pushing through. And as they were doing it, working the scene, the thing fell with people in it. And that was one of those where I was just like, you know, everybody's like, oh, we're going to go watch this gag or you're going to go watch this thing. And they'd be like, I don't know. Another classic scene in four is um, the waterbed scene,
2: mm-hmm. where
3: they're like in the waterbed. That was sort of half the tank or, or three quarters of the tank was up front. Then they had the bedroom wall. And what they would have to do is go under the wall and they'd pop up on the other side. And they had all this fight stuff going on. The water temperature was cold. It was another one of those where they go, oh, you're going to go see the shooting or whatever today. I'd be like, I don't need to be over there. And sure (laughs) enough, there was a lot of yelling and screaming and crazy stuff going on. But um, on four, I had a situation where I could have gotten killed. And this was before, I don't know if it was before the Freddy fell or not, but people were getting hurt. And this scene was, um, it's funny because the guy contacted me and he said, oh, you're going to talk twice, so I'll try. Uh, I was doubling for the male actor, Dan. And when I walked on set that night, Rennie Harlan, who's the director, comes over and he's dragging this kid by the shoulder. The kid's got a Letterman's jacket on. I'm standing with the wardrobe, bro. We're just getting started for the night. And he says to her, what is with the, what's the jacket? She goes, it's a Letterman's jacket and he says yes but it's same as dan because dan was the other lead character she goes they are on the same team he goes it's the same jacket it's born i want a different jacket she goes well what kind of jacket and he looks at me and i only just bought this fucking jacket he looks at me and he goes that jacket and he walks away and leaves the kid standing there so wardrobe says to me can we use your jacket for the shot and she says you need to wear the letterman jacket when you double for dan later anyway I Go okay so now the scene where i'm doubling for dan they have me on a gurney. They're going to stick me in the back of a van. The van takes off down the street, turns green. Um, the script was always very fluid on that one because it was a writer's strike and everything. So then it was going to be Freddie turns around and looks. You know, he's driving this ambulance. So the transportation guys dressed like EMTs. I'm strapped to this gurney, which is just reminding me about the fucking car accident. You know what I mean? I'm kind like, mm getting tr- at what they now call triggered, <laughs> which then they just called working. So um so I'm sucking it up. You know, my feet are pointed at the sky, my head's this far from the pavement, and then they're this way. The gurney was a little sketchy. And the prop guys knew exactly how to work with it. So they would walk over and show them boom and it goes. But then the transportation guys couldn't quite get it. Prop guys again boom and it goes. So somebody makes the call goes fuck it. Top guys are going to drive the van, get changed in EMT. 10 minutes, everybody back. All right. Well, they leave me laying on the stretcher, which used to happen all the time. They take some kind of break, but for the effort it took to get me in and out of a rig, they'd be like, just hang tight. And I'm like, what choice do I have? Right. So I'm laying there waiting. Now they all come back. So talk about what we're going to do. Keep driving. You'll hear it. You'll cut over the radio, turn around, come back. Okay. Everything's great. So first page, Put me right in, close the doors, guys get in the van. We were pairing off down the street. Those two guys were ball busters. The mic or the, the van was not Mike, So we're busting balls driving along. You know, they're bouncing it a little bit. I'm stuck back there. They're laughing. Driving, driving. Suddenly one of them says to the other, he goes, you know, I don't even think we can see the set right now. This is ridiculous. And he said, Well, they haven't called cut, and I'm not gonna fuck up a shot. So driving, he goes, I they can't, we need to just go back. Because I mean this doesn't even make it you just go back. So we turn around and go back. And I'm still laying in the back. I asked them to let me up. They're like, ah, just hold on. And I could see it getting brighter as we start to approach the set because everything's lit. And the one guy says, yeah, the they're kind of like, you know, what the hell's going on? Like what? I, go, I don't know. So we stopped the van and I can tell we stopped short of pulling into where the set was. And people are now at the van, they're opening the doors. And they're like, you guys are okay, you okay? They're like, yeah. So they come around back. Um, they get me out. And people are coming up. You guys, thank God, you guys are all right. You know, this guy. we're like, what the hell? So a PA comes over. And he says, why didn't you guys stop? And he goes, well, nobody called cut. He goes, we called cut. He said, we were screaming cut. He goes, we didn't hear it. So they come to find out the prop channel was different than the transportation channel on the radio. So they were screaming cut. We weren't hearing it. Now, the issue with that is they only had coverage at the first two intersections. And we went through four or five. <laughs> so at any point, once we passed the last coverage at that intersection, we could have just it could have been over. It would have just been done. You would have really saw bright lights. Yeah. Then it would have been for real. So we get back. I'm now realizing what happened. Now I'm shook. And the wardrobe girl was great. She goes, look, I just need dance stuff. Then you could just stay in the trailer. I'll just tell them that's where you are. Just take whatever time you need. So I go into the trailer and I take off the dance stuff and I open the door and I'm standing there, nothing but my underwear. I hand her the clothes and I'm still kind of just, and I'm standing like trying to just digest all this. And one of the grips is somebody walks by and they're like, hey, Kev, glad you're okay. And I thought to myself, I'm standing in my underwear in the doorway of this trailer and I don't know what's happening. How okay am I? I'm like, really? And I curled up in a ball on the floor of the, the trailer and was rocking because I was trying to just digest all this shit. And I'm like, so between this thing in the desert, then this car accident, then this thing, I'm barely a year away from home. I'm I'm 21, close to 22 years old. I'm like, is this what life is going to be about? I mean, is this what this is when you, you like go out on the roof? And in a way, it is. You're always trying to avoid getting killed. It's just not always in such an elaborate fucking fashion. So I debate quitting. And I think about what that looks like, walking out and going, look. And I was sure everybody probably would have been like, look, yeah, I get it. You know, but then. Like any young actor in Hollywood, I needed my SAG card and I needed to eat in that order. So quitting wasn't going to get me either. So I went out, went back to work. And everybody's cool, you know, and people are compassionate about it. But the truth of it is, it's the fucking film industry. We're making a movie. Right. So you go, I could have got killed. You're absolutely right. It was scary as shit, but you didn't. And we got another hour before we got a fucking curfew. So let's go, you know, so you didn't have time to really digest this shit. And I've heard other interviews, um, Mick Strong, who, uh, did all the set and, and production design on three and four and a lot of other movies. And he's got, there's a book on it actually. Um, Blake Best wrote a book with uh, Mick Strong called Behind the Screams. And that's easy to Google and find. And Blake Best is just exactly how it sounds, how you spell it. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading through some of that, I heard people kind of with that sentiment. And one guy in particular, as he's talking with me, because they're interviews. And the one guy says, I haven't thought about this stuff in how long. He goes, and I got to tell you, I'm getting flooded because I'm I'm getting flooded. And that's really what started happening happen for me when I sat down and started writing this stuff and then going through these old pictures because just so much happened like all the time. It was just nonstop. And Freddie's Nightmare, for me it was more uh, like a mind fuck and, and, and it took a toll more mentally than physically for me because I was a standard. You know, there were guys there were hanging lights. You know, eighteen hours at a clip and just grinding themselves out. You know, I joked with Ben. I said, "I don't know how those guys got through." I said, "I could kind of speculate, being it was the '80s." You know, I'm <laughs> sure. sure. I'm sure some of them had a little help to get through. Yeah, somebody was a little <laughs> not philophobicist. So, um, <laughs> but my thing was because I stood in for Robert, I could be put in these really crazy situations. And I would have to run through it maybe 20 times, whereas he's going to step into it twice because I'm wildly adjusting the lights and all that shit. So, you know, sometimes people will have a little bit of a curiosity, like, oh, I wonder what it's like to actually lay in a coffin and have them close it on you. Um, hmm. That was a scene that, that I had to be a stand-in for, because Robert, the first thing I noticed, And it makes total sense. They do not design them for whoever's in it to sit up. Right? They don't. It's a squishy, spongy, springy. So every time I would have to sit up in this thing, it was like, you know, it it was a hassle. And then they put me back down, close it again. The curiosity about what it's like to be in a coffin, it's over after the first time it happens. I'm going to tell you right now. You can lay in there once, they close the door, they lift it up, you go, I'm good. But with this, they had to keep doing it, doing it, doing it. So they got the lights right. They got this right. They got that right. And I'm the schmuck in this uh, coffin, waiting right, for them to open it so I could half do a fucking crunch, try to get my ass up just to go down again, close it again. Then sometimes we close a little longer. Somebody will get to remember, I was like, what's going on? Yeah, you know, They forget about me, which has happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> they did a scene. It was um, plastic surgery, was the theme. Of that particular episode, and they had me on one of these gurneys again, and a sheet over me, and it cut out so just my nose was the only thing you could see, and I'm laying down. And what would happen, on occasion, we were all working these crazy hours. I was the only one that would end up spending some of his work day laying down. So sometimes, with no nothing, I fall asleep. So. That was one of the times I happened to fall asleep. I'm under the sheet. And it would be the strangest thing because you know I fall asleep sometimes and I'd wake up and I'd know, okay, I'm at work, but I didn't know if we were in the middle of a shot. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be dead quiet. Can't move. Yeah. So I'd lay there like listening for some indication that you know we're in the middle of a shot. And sometimes we would be, because all of a sudden I hear some dialogue and I'd be like, Well, good thing I didn't fucking move. So with this, I wasn't hearing anything. So I'm like, what the fuck? Then I started hearing people coming back. They had taken a break, and they left me there. The guy goes, you were snoring. He goes, you were snoring. I go, but I could use a break. They're like, really? You're sleeping? So that I had to kind of work with guys and let them know why it was happening. Because it wasn't like I was going, oh, you know, I stay up all night. Because that show was so grueling. I did very little partying while I worked on that show. Because you just, you, it was such a grind. Um, and I kind of, some of the grips I could tell were, they were resentful. I mean, these guys are up there busting their ass and they look and I'm sleeping. You know, so sometimes a guy walked by and he'd hit the bed with something, you know, and he, boom, I'm like, whoa, what? You know, and I kind of talked to guys. I said, look, I don't want to fall asleep. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? But they're leaving me laying there for an hour. I'm like, I'm fighting it, but, you know. And sometimes you kind of had to go somewhere else and a case of that would be like if you ever see a scene where there's a couple laying in the bed and you're overhead looking at them and they're talking well if you think about it there's a camera five to ten feet directly over their head pointed right at them and then all the guys to operate a camera are up there looking down now thankfully everybody was a problem because all we take is one asshole with a pen in his pocket as I'm laying there, and he leans over like this, and if i get there, and this camera weighs a ton, and I've been watching a guy unclip a couple of things, pick it up and walk it across the room, you know what I mean, for months. All of a sudden, that same thing is clamped in, and now it's hovering 10 feet above my head, and God forbid anything happened, there's nowhere to go. There's just nowhere to go. I, I take a camera to the face. It would only yeah, really hurt, really hurt for a minute. <laughs> yeah, then they put you in
2: the closet, and you'd see some white
3: lights, and then you're back, and then, and then it, you're back. Little
2: twinkles. So you sent me another picture here. I want to.
3: Yeah, that's another one of those uh, incredibly comfortable situations.
2: <laughs>
3: Bill, with that, that when he filmed it was a manhole, and there was somebody who was going to pop up out of the manhole. Now. This was one of those weird situations where if I stood completely upright, I'd be too tall. My shoulders would be up out of the thing. If I kneeled, I'd be too low. So I had to kind of do this like weird, like yoga. I'd have to put myself in these positions. And Sometimes they grab an apple crate or something to shove under my ass. If you could go back to that picture, though, Ben, there's something on that that's funny. And it just tells you the whole thing. Look at this motherfucker up here on the right. He's eating soup. Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah. So there's all this crazy shit. You got so used to craziness going on. You're, you're eating soup. You know what I mean? You're this one's over here. To, yeah,
2: that one's taking a selfie. And
3: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's like people are just doing their own thing while there's this chaos going on. But I'll tell you what. If you didn't grab the soup while it was there, and that's the other thing. I'd be sitting there. You think I'm not smelling soup where I'm standing? I'm smelling. So I'd like some fucking soup, too. You know what I mean? So, and that was Mick who designed all that stuff. And I made a joke with him. I said, you know, thanks to your expertise and vision, I've been in everything from a guillotine to a stove to a manhole cover, you know, a manhole. Um, So, yeah, I was like the guinea pig, you know, that they run through these things. And one of the Freddy's nightmares, there was a guillotine. And I delay in this thing and it's like 10 inches above my neck or so. And I'm just trusting everybody knows what the fuck they're doing. And the thing of it is, I know some of them had less sleep than me and they don't get to catch a nap. So you really had, there was a lot of trust and there were a lot of great people working on it. They may not have had the usual faculties or budget that they were used to, to really execute in the way that they had become accustomed to, but they still... And I'm assuming it, you know, you may talk to some of these guys. They go, no, we had no idea. You're lucky you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> but they seem to, you know, I, I I had to trust them. I just had to. You know, there was one on uh, the phrase nightmare. They were trying to rig a glove so that when you drug it down a, uh, a gutter pipe, it would throw sparks. So a guy would say, and this was always my noise. One of the other guys in another department, because anything with the glove, it would be me. Any of the glove shots on um, Freddie's Nightmares was me. Anytime you saw Freddie, but you didn't see Robert's face, that was me. So if there was anything with the glove, with the effects or whatever, guys would call me over to kind of consult. Does Is this right? Is that? Do you think this will work? That will work? So a guy calls me, and he's got this glove, and I see these wires. And I remember, I'm like, John, what is he? It? Oh, we got to get it to throw sparks, man. I'm trying to. So he plugs it into, I guess, a car battery, Marie, I don't know which, but I'm I'm dragging it down. It's sparking a little, but then it spark a little. Now the fucking thing gets hot like that and burns the top of my hand, one of the rivets from the glove. Because, you know, they got these things that are riveting them all in place. And on the other side, it's just a bare rivet. So I'm like, ah, he's like, just a little. I'm like, no, so I take this thing off. And I remember later in the day, I'm doing something and somebody comes over to me and this was sort of the fun of it is that people were ball busters on this thing. You couldn't get involved in any real physical humor or pranks or anything because it was just so dangerous. You know what I mean? So everybody would just kind of say little, you know, just take little shots here and there. So somebody came over to me later that day and I still don't know to this day if they're busting my balls or not, but they go, Hey, how'd it go with the glove? Thing. I go well it's not throwing sparks and all He goes I thought something was up Because they're working on it now They're talking about plugging it in I go plugging it in to what He goes it's like an outlet They're going to plug it in I'm like well for fuck not. I'm not kidding <laughs> What are you talking about But then it never comes up You know what I mean But I'm left to sit there for a couple minutes going Is somebody really going to expect me to do this So there was a lot of camaraderie on the set a lot of pictures I have. That other one I showed that you showed with the arm rig is a Polaroid. Yeah. That was somebody who just was there. They snapped the polar. They had to take pictures for their own continuity, and they cracked off a couple extra and came over handed to me. So just to right. think that with everything else going on, that somebody was uh, took the mind to go. Oh, you know, took a couple minutes, took it and handed it to me. Which without it, and I'm so grateful. You know, without it, I wouldn't have record of this stuff now. Right, right. So right. and then like Polaroid. this one here that one what's interesting with this was this is i've got a glove on there too i just noticed that um this would be as before i stepped in i had a little slimline 110 camera i kept with me and i would crack off shots and then before i go into a setup like this i would hand it to somebody who was nearby and i go crack off a couple shots in me when i get in there and they go okay so they'd take their shots. Then we would keep doing our work. Well, they had work to do, so they would go back to work. So the camera might be floating with this person for an hour or two. Suddenly we'd catch up. we go, oh, here's your camera. And I took a couple pictures. I saw some cool stuff. I'd be like, okay. So I have stuff that like, other people took that was really cool. Um, but a lot of the pictures, you know, it's crew and cast. But i got a bunch of stuff that's Robert behind the scenes that has, nobody's seen. You know, And I'm trying to figure out how to roll this stuff out. So just putting word out. I know you guys reach a lot of people. If anybody's familiar with this NFT shit, by all means, reach out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a picture that's never been seen. You know what I mean? And, and to have Robert sign one of those would be an awesome piece. So, And they're only going to be new once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden, everybody has, everybody sees it, the whole thing so i want to produce it as a nice print because a lot of the collector stuff when you go to these conventions it's a little bit less you know it's not so much a photo as it is you know just a print that they printed on whatever medium right um and and try to keep a little continuity and quality of it because there is some cool stuff um i'm meeting with a guy next week who's going to clean them up a little bit and then i'll put them on my page but uh
2: you you mentioned you know you were writing a book. Had have you ever thought about putting out a, an actual photo book? That's the oh, other that thing,
3: the that other. would
2: that would be really fucking cool. Mm-hmm.
3: You, know, you know, I, know I mean,
2: Robert did W. Freddie do?
3: Yeah. So I, what I thought of is if you remember back in school, they would have those magazines like Dynamite or something, where you can mm-hmm. pull out a thing that's a poster or whatever. Yeah. I thought doing like a spoof on those, like do it in that style, but a more a higher quality yeah. you know, could be really cool. And I have another project I've been working on forever because um, I repaint vintage pinball machines. Mm. Oh, so shit,
1: That's an interesting gig.
3: Yeah. And um, I would get these things and I'd have to sand them down, but it'd have all this graffiti gouged in it. And I love graffiti, all different kinds of graffiti. And I thought to myself, I suddenly felt like custodian of this stuff. I'm like, look, it was super important to Miz that people know where he was in 79. You know, Miz was here. (laughs) I go, and there's no way that this graffiti survived for the last 40 years, you know, to die a slow death by palm sander in my garage in Jersey. So I started taking pictures of the stuff. And I've got reams of it. And some of it is so cool, some of it's so crazy. Um, there's one guy. He put his name on every game. I almost every game I came across, this dude, Dick,
1: <laughs>
3: with <laughs> a phone a few, number, right? Yeah, because <laughs> it's like every game, a Dick. And then sometimes we get scary. You see SWA stickers and stuff. I go, "This is great. I got one. It's got a bumper sticker. It says, "Elect Wallace." Wow. which was the guy that was, yeah, he was anti-segregation. And yeah. yeah, there's the bumpers. And it's one of those old 60s, 70s ones where it's flat black and then it's got the fluorescent orange lettering. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's yeah. not even like a plastic that would hold up to weather. It's just like a paper. So, yeah, that I got But I got pitched a lot of that stuff. But th- I am looking into exactly how to roll it out. But I, I started with the book and then the nightmare stories were coming up. And I started telling people and they go, that's like, there's an appeal just with those stories. Yep. So then I was like, I'll write the book. I'll do these convention things. But then I was like, well, it's going to take a while to write a book. And it seems like, you know, there's the demand there, the curiosity. So, um, I still need to scale back to just the nightmare stuff. And then, um, we started with these, uh, appearances and it's, you know, it's been great. Right. Right.
2: So do you have any
3: appearances coming up? Um, I do they' coming up is um the next one's gonna be March 10th. And that is in New Jersey in Wayne at the Collector Fest. And then there's also something called the Monster Expo. And that's up, I believe. nailing down. Oh. That one we're still nailing. I feel like a, I'm in a Rubik's Cube.
2: Right? Yeah, you just you cut out for a second there and then popped back oh. in. So. You oh, said okay. the Monster Expo is up by yeah. and it went boop. I, and think, just- I,
3: I think that's in Maine. We're nailing that down. Um, Ohio Terracon, but that's next year, is going to be um, Craven uh, themed. And then I'm working out something with a guy. Another one in Texas, but we don't have a date just yet. The thing is, they book all that stuff a year in advance. Oh, I know. Yeah. So jumping in, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm yeah. starting to. I'm scheduling from the back, you know, the end of it, and then bringing it in. But I'm also trying to get some of the stuff up front now where I can squeeze in and there's still enough time. A lot of it is educating people on who I am and what I did. Right. Because I have to say straight away, I'm not a cosplayer. And then because it worked so well when they cut everything together, people don't realize there was somebody doing what I did. You know, mm-hmm. they just assumed all of it was Robert. Well, and
2: That's why they call it editing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> To Robert's credit, I remember sitting with him. Now, I worked with him on four, but that was super chaotic. Um, And actually, just another quick note on that. When I lent them that jacket that night, okay, the scene with that kid was walking up to the Craven. So they shoot the whole thing that night. He's walking up in my jacket. Well, now we're back at the soundstage like a week or two later. Jar Jar knows what's coming. Yeah. So, and I see on the call sheet, picking up the interior shots where the kids are now going to they're going to pick them up walking into the diner. But nobody's asking me for my jacket. So my wheels start turning. I think, you know, I can insert like a blooper in this movie. Like nobody's asking me about the jacket, but I didn't want to get anybody in trouble. So come to the conclusion, I'll bring the jacket with me to work. And if anybody asks about it, then I've got the jacket. No arm, no foul. It turns out that was one of my busiest days on set. It was one of the times they put me in full makeup. And it was for the shot where um, Alice sees him, Dan on the operating table, and there's a Freddy that's in scrubs, hospital scrubs. And that's that was me. They had me in the scrubs. It was a distant shot. I called it distance doubling when it was far enough away that, you know, they could put you in a schlocky mask and it work. So I'm tied up. I'm in this mat. I'm like, I can't get out of here. Like, go get my jet if I have. And they're shooting that scene on the other side of the soundstage at the same time. So I start hearing commotion over there. And I'm going, oh, shit. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I'm like, am I fucking things up? Like, this is crazy now. So I ride it out. Come to find out the reason it was so tight was because the kid who showed up to play Dan's buddy was not the same kid. As the shots outside. So if you look at that scene, when they come into the diner, not only is it not this not the same jacket, it's not the same kid. Wow. Yeah. Now that kid who originally did it was in my jacket, I knew from working on other films, Heather in particular, I remember seeing him a lot there. He didn't show up or he couldn't show because he had landed a featured extra role. Um, don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. So all those movies around that time and that genre, I could go through and almost like a mystery science theater and be like, that's the guy that's in the hallway at Heathers. That's the guy that's in the high school on Nightmare 4. That's the same guy. Like, you'll see, if somebody looked at the background in those movies, you're going to start seeing the same motherfuckers because we all work the same <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? So the blue it's in there you know i still have the jacket and uh all these years i did the same thing on heathers because one of the scenes they used me in i was the last corner desk by the door and it's a scene where the one girl tries to overdose taking diet pills so there's me there's another girl then winona and then lizette's up front the other side of the classroom so she goes in and out, or she goes out, but there's a couple times it's on us. And I was always doing some kind of little bit of business. So I was like, i got to do so. so I was like reaching down and grabbing stuff from underneath a book and opening it up. But at one point I left my shirt buttoned down, unbuttoned, like, you know, a little bit down my chest. And I'm doing the thing, we do a couple of takes and then when nobody's looking, I button my shirt back up a little bit. So now if you look at the movie, you'll see how in the beginning, I'm like George Hamilton when I got the thing down to here and I got the tan and all that. And then all of a sudden they come back to me and the thing's buttoned up. But again, it's real small and real quick. But, you know, I thought I was so slick. I'm like, I'm going to do something. I'm going to put a little something in this movie. Fuck
2: with me. Little Easter eggs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Shit. But, wow.
2: That's so, funny. like,
3: the, the, the one where in the van where I almost got killed, they didn't even use it.
2: They didn't even use it. Wow, so we are uh, like <laughs> we are over time already, by okay. like a little, which is I've not a big deal. It. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I, I, think
0: I said I think I've said like
1: seven words.
0: I know I, it's I, the quietest I've ever heard you. I
1: giggled say. a little bit.
2: No, no,
0: <laughs> love it. I was just loving the stories, but right, I, I do. I do have a question for you. Absolutely. I, I was just
2: gonna say, do you guys have your first I, I do, and last you know, question? I, does, I, does I, do, I do
0: have a question? And. You know, I mean, I've watched all all the nightmares. You know, I love the movies, obviously. You know that that's my genre.
3: How come there's no blade on the thumb? You know, I've got to think it's more so that you could actually do something with that hand and and, and use it to grab shit. Um, is the only thing I could think of. Okay. Because well, I, it's
0: not you can't get a proper six pack that way.
3: Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know. True. It's true. (laughs) Gotta get the thumb in there. With the thumb, it's not it's not official without the thumb. Right? So yeah, ask Leo. (laughs) 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 Perfect. Leo's like, bring him back, motherfucker. Oh yeah. It only took an hour and twelve minutes, but we
2: got to you, Leo.
3: Yeah. He's like, I'll be there next time. But yeah, questions. Any, you know, I tend to get rambling with it once I get going. No, I
2: mean, you know what? Those are the those are the best shows that we have, because like I told you before, we did this. We don't do scripted, and no. if a guest if a guest just goes, we just fucking let them go. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's a.
0: You're gonna hear things, you know. You're telling stories that nobody's nobody's had the chance yeah. to even hear before. No, it's true. You know right. what I mean, and that's that's fantastic, and I think that's what you know that's what really makes it so. You know, right, but right. um, you know, I am missing the blade on the
3: thumb. Yeah, it's, there's, <laughs> there's never been one. Well, you could come up do your own horror movie now, but only have a blade have a blade only on the thumb. Oh, there you yeah. go. Then you'd just be, it'd be constant because you couldn't slash. Well, that's well, the other thing. You know, everybody talks about. I'll just slash. call it thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs oh, up! Somebody
2: just stole that idea.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> this yeah, is script being yeah, written, written as we speak. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just that quick, right? Ja do, do you have uh, a first and last question for the guest? Well, now that you're doing cons
1: uh, and stuff, uh do, when you hit them, do you, do you go out into the floor and like look around and check out the stuff and pick up anything? Are Are you a collector of anything?
3: Um, not yet. And I say that because I was not one prior. You know, I've got my photos from the stuff. I've got a couple little trinkets and things. But having only gone to one, I walked the floor and looked around and I saw a ton of cool shit. So I was like, if it's going to be like this at every one of these, I'm like, I'm going to be leaving with half the money I made. I go, because there's a (laughs) lot of cool shit. There were guys, at the last one, um, Horror Gods, and they make these elaborate enamel pins. And he came over and gave me a few. And uh, one of them is the power glove, and what's cool about it—I have it on my page—is they put the little Swarovski, whatever the hell's in it. But as you move it with the light, it looks like it's lighting up, and it's wow, like this wow. big. It's a glove this big. Yeah, you can look at my page, you'll see. Because I—I literally put it in there, and I said, "Am I tripping balls, or, or does this thing look like it's lighting up?" And somebody replied, "They go, I think it's both." <laughs> right, right. I think I saw that. I think I saw yeah, that. Yeah. But they but, make cool stuff, and everybody's making great-looking oh, stuff. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, Jeff and I have had the pleasure, and, and Jar Jar, too, because he's part of the road crew to do a lot of these uh, horror conventions down the East Coast where we actually go run the panels. Okay. Stream them live like we're doing tonight, you know. Uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some really, really cool shit out there. Oh, yeah. It really some is. really cool shit out there. But That's to our viewers and listeners, if you want to know about all the cool shit that Kevin's done, make sure you check the show notes up above or down below because it's all in there. Follow them, check them out, go see them at a convention, you know? Um, so go ahead. You were going to say something. I'll let you keep going. I don't give a fuck. No, no, no.
3: Well, you know what? Jeff's the we,
2: one that wants to eat. I,
3: I, yeah, I want to eat. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've, got to hit, I've got to hit the dispensary before they close. Oh yeah. But a teaser then I guess for next time is uh, we haven't talked about driving the hot car to Vegas. Uh, or Rick James, bitch, yeah, Rick James, bitch, the Rick James thing. Uh, there's the dog story at the kitchen table, you know, there's there plenty. You so, know?
2: needless to say, when Kevin finally has his book out, folks, you gotta mm-hmm. buy it. I'm just gonna say it right there. You know, I'm gonna get a- I'll get an autographed copy, yeah, That's it's gonna, gonna all-
3: be far more detail about there's still little nuances about stuff. Uh, you know, just for instance, that thing with the van—it uh, happened that the fire was right next to a canal. There was a man-made canal, and for a second, I thought I could push this thing in because a waterlogged van is better than the burnt van. <laughs> um, and when I mentioned to somebody in town, they said, "Well, it's a good thing you didn't do it because that's the entire water supply for the whole fucking town." <laughs> oh, <laughs> They said a guy did it once before he went swimming in it. They shut it down. Because they have to clean it the fuck out, and you got to imagine the water coming through. This is massive. Cleaned it out, so then they could run again. So the whole town in the middle, five minutes from Mexico border, Mexico border, no water. They jailed the guy. I go, what eventually happened to him? I swear to God, the guy goes, nobody knows. I go, what? He goes, nobody knows.
2: And that's and, why and, you and don't that,
3: drink the water in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. In that <laughs> town, you could have seen it too happening. Wow.
2: Yeah. So nice. So on that note, folks, Kevin. Yes, sir. Where where do you like interacting with your fans on the social medias?
3: Uh, Right now, I would say it's going to be the Facebook, which is uh, Freddie Doo F-R-E-D-D-Y-D-E-U-X. I am working on uh, the Instagram and uh, TikTok, which I'll have probably up by the end of next week. I'm putting these reels up that are clips from Freddy's Nightmares and stuff, and they're telling me that I'm getting more views than, like, you know, only 16% of all reels get this many views, do another. So I'm going to be getting more reels out there. Uh, but I would say the Freddy Do is is the one. And then there's also a web page, which is www.Freddy-2.com. And there's addresses on there, phone number to reach me if somebody's looking at book stuff like that. Excellent. Jar, jar
1: Hey, come check me out on Tuesday nights on Splash Pages on YouTube and Facebook at 8 p.m. Eastern. And almost every Wednesday I'm here these days. So <laughs> let, let's see. <laughs> you look really stoned.
2: I was just going to oh, say.
1: you look. I, I had to take much off much. my glasses. Uh, my my I noticed eyes that. are like. I noticed I, you took them off like four,
2: four seconds into the show. I'm like, did he get fucking contacts, or he's just looking at a blurry (laughs) screen?
3: And is that a blue? Is that a blue screen behind you? With all no,
1: that's the room I'm actually in.
3: Oh, all right. And then those are clips for hanging stuff and holding stuff. Yeah,
1: hanging up uh, comic books and stuff. I'm a big nerd. Nice, man.
3: I'm looking at. I
1: was like, it looks. There's some toys you can see. Like I got my uh, He Man's over here and stuff like that.
3: He made. I, I was surprised at how big, what it go to or go, it was of the universe, masters of the universe. There's some a, a buddy of mine his son runs uh he's one of the two it's the Brothers of Destruction, the BOD. And they do like a live auction once a week or something. But he's been oh, nice. yeah, he's oh. gonna be one of the shows I'm doing. Wow, Jeffrey. Yes, sir. Jeffrey oh. can be. Being inside the next half hour at the kitchen table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, don't follow me anywhere. Um, StillToken.com. You'll find all the shit you need to know about us or uh, Talking with the Dead on Facebook. And be sure to uh, get our book. Uh, the novel is out. Um, actually, you know what? Fuck it. Get the book, get the five comics. You'll have a ball.
2: By the live action we, series?
0: You know, the yeah. live action shit. Uh the books available on Amazon, Bonds and Noble. Just uh, you know, uh, look up Token with the Dead. Uh you might end up with Talking with the Dead, but fuck it. Just go to Token with the Dead, it'll auto correct that auto correct shit. Sometimes it helps me, sometimes it don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's everybody. I you know, I mean go figure. You know, when I when I when I when I, when, I, when I'm trying to find Bob and it goes up boobs, well, I'm happy.
3: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like That's great. Hey, hey, spell check. <laughs> It will never be duck. Oh, no, 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 it's never. It, it, a duck. Tell, it, it tells spell check, it's like spell check, it's never gonna, it's never gonna you know be. What mean? No, I know mine pops up as luck, and I don't know where the fuck oh, that God. comes from. No, you know I mean, oh, puck, but I don't play hard, so that's <laughs> irrelevant. Well, that's how I remember all my passwords is I'll put in like fuck a you know, fuck aol. And then fuck who after, like, that's my password. It
0: auto-corrects.
3: Yeah. No, no, no. I just put it as my password so I never forget it. <laughs> so I'll be like, fuck Bank of America, you know, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there you go, <laughs> folks. It's now you know how to hack into Kevin's yeah, stuff. Uh, yeah, there you
2: go. <laughs> just just put fuck in front of it. Uh, and it it's probably Kevin's.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's little variations. You
2: know, so. <laughs> I want to thank Kevin For coming and hanging out with us tonight Telling Ooh. us some really cool stories You know, like I said, make sure you get out Check them out at events, check out the show notes You know, like Jeff said, stilltoking.com Is where you can find out About all the shit that we do Uh, Next weekend, we're going to be at Northeast Comic Con, Cabin Fever In Boxborough, Mass Come out, see us, you can get a copy of the book there We'll even fucking sign it for you Maybe, if you're nice Woo. Maybe not. We'll see what happens. But to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do, so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.
3: Jeez. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you, Kevin.